Good morning, church. I want to extend a special welcome to all of you who are here in person, as well as those of you who are joining us online. Those of you who are in person, would you welcome our online folks with a round of applause? I uh, want to uh, uh, say just a, a, a few words. Today, actually, is um, three years ago today was my first Sunday with you guys. And, uh, I, have, and I, I have an issue, and I spoke to one of the members of the search team. I said, y'all did not tell me we were going to have a pandemic and, uh, within the first 18 months of my being here. This congregation, you are an amazing group of people who have risen to the challenges. And as you look around... Uh, we still continue to pray for those who have not come back yet. But uh, many of you who are online, those of you who are here in person, uh, you, your prayers, your financial support has uh, gotten us through. In the midst of all of this, we actually have people who have found their way to this congregation and are seeking God and they perceive in their uh, spirit that God is calling them to make this congregation their family, their spiritual family, their church home. And I'm grateful for all the work that you have done. I'm honored, I'm humbled at all of the work that you have done, your commitment, your loyalty to Christ, to the gospel, and to this church. Thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause, please. If you uh, are visiting with us today or you have visited with us uh, over the past couple of months uh, uh, as uh, we are in this phase of, of dealing with the pandemic, some of you have said, I'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, this congregation. On February 6th, I'll be leading a, uh, a uh, session uh, after our second service uh, around noon. We're going to provide lunch for you as well on February 6th called Next Steps. And if that's something that you'd be interested in, to learn a little bit more about this church, to have an uh, opportunity to meet other folks who are visiting and thinking about this as a church home, or maybe even a few members uh, who have been here. I hope that you'll register for that. You can go online uh, and uh, uh, register for next steps so that we know how many are, are coming. Um, <clears throat> if you're not sure about how to navigate online, send us an email at office at southsub.church, or you can give the church office a phone call and we'd be glad to get you uh, set and scheduled for that. So I hope you'll put that on your calendar. And I pray that all of you will be, will be praying for those who are looking to find uh, a church home, a, a spiritual home, and uh, praying for all churches throughout the world as we navigate these challenging uh, times. Today we are in our fourth uh, 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 message in this series, The Chosen. I hope you're enjoying this. If you're able to watch the series The Chosen. There's multiple ways that you can do that, <clears throat> and we have DVDs uh, here at the church as well if you'd like to borrow those. And if you have any questions, feel free to call us at, at the church or email us again at office at southsub.church, and we'd be glad to help you figure out a way to do that. Next week, Pastor Joe is back in the pulpit looking forward to his message next week. And uh, if you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, or however you read God's Word, we're going to be looking at, again, Isaiah chapter 43, looking at verses 5 and 7 today uh, as we look at this fourth message, You Change Course. You Change Course, which is our theme and our focus for this morning. Verses 5, verse 5 in chapter 43, Fear not. Fear not, say that with me, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, 
and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. May God add his blessing to this, the reading of his holy and perfect word. As the lights die down, I'd ask you to direct your attentions to the screen. few days ago, I looked you in the eyes and I told you, I've got this. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texted. I've got texted. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things I'm not proud of to fix it, and now it's gone <coughs> bad. And we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking in riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? The cut in my ear, it's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go Go now. where? The fish, I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ema. It's just not possible. No, right. she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do this alone. can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here, and God is with me, even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? Hmm? What? You heard me. And faith isn't going to get me more fish. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. Simon tells his wife. Well, so far throughout this series, we have gotten to know Simon a little bit better. And none of this that we have seen about Simon really surprises any of us who've spent any time reading the four Gospels. I mean, this is Simon, who was always first to speak and seemingly the last to what? Think, right? He's impetuous, he's impulsive, he's driven by no motion. The guy who may not know all of the facts, but he is confident in his conclusion. Social psychologists actually have a term for this. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yep, there's a scientific name for it. And you probably know some folks who suffer from the same condition. And Peter is a classic example of it. But now, Simon has to, well, as they say, pay the piper. Pay the piper. Well, now that's a phrase that actually comes from an old German fairy tale where a village that is being overrun by rats, which is the source of the plague, hire a piper to lure all of the rats out of the village. When he is successful in doing so, he demands his pay, and the village refuses to pay him. So he uses his skills 
to lure all of their children out of the village as well. What goes around comes around. Sometimes we just have to pay the piper. And now, after Simon's gambling, after his fighting, after his efforts to make a quick buck, he finds himself in debt to the Romans. And now, having refused to settle his debt, which he was offered by the Romans to turn in his fellow fishermen who are fishing on Shabbat so as to avoid Roman tax, he is facing his piper. He either pays his taxes or he's arrested, maybe even killed. His wife and his family left homeless. What could be more frightening than that? I'm sorry, the physician says, but your biopsy has come back and it's, well, malignant. Some of us have heard, I'm sorry, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I love you, but I'm just not in love with you anymore. The words of a dear friend of ours that she heard this past week when the nurse said, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. Maybe we could just go ahead and schedule your DNC now for next week. You're too old to have a baby anyway. We all have those moments in our life. Moments where we wonder what comes next. Moments when we ask ourselves, how on earth am I ever going to get through this? The year was 587 B.C. Pastor Joe, you remember. <laughs> the people of... Yeah, it's a great thing about having an associate so old, right? The people of God will be facing captivity. The Babylonian army is camped outside of the city of Jerusalem. There's the sound of soldiers. There is the plumes of smoke from a thousand campfires beyond their ability to even enumerate. And those residents of Jerusalem, they look around the city and they see what they have to face this onslaught and they recognize that the folks that are still in the city, they're, they're, they're not soldiers. To resist this invading army would be slaughter. And their wives and their daughters would be sold into slavery or perhaps even worse. It is over. Now Isaiah's ministry was almost a hundred years earlier to that moment. Some even argue perhaps even further than that. The folks in Jerusalem knew what was coming because Isaiah had told them. They knew something was coming at least. But like most of us, when it doesn't come to pass, when the warnings don't seem to be necessary because there's no problems, most of us grow indifferent, unprepared. Since Isaiah had uttered these words in chapter 43, generations of folks who lived in Jerusalem had lived and died and gone on, and they had just gotten to the point that perhaps the words that Isaiah said were nothing more than the ramblings of an old prophet who is always expecting doom and gloom. How could God 
abandoned Jerusalem. God would always be Jerusalem's protector. They had failed to even consider that someday there would be a reckoning. That someday there would be results or consequences. They had already witnessed the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel. The nation of Assyria had come in and swept and carried the residents of Israel off and forced them to intermarry so that their lines were utterly lost forever. That was the northern kingdom. Who cares? That's okay. Let the other nations rage with war and famine. What does that have to do with us? But Isaiah also anticipates the fall of Jerusalem, that part of the Bible that they didn't pay attention to. The mighty city of Jerusalem, you have to understand this. It's their Pied Piper. And when the sky darkens with the clouds of war and defeat, they will be afraid. And then they will remember Isaiah's words. The ones that are uttered here in verse 5 of chapter 43. Words that seem to be utterly incomprehensible. Remember that image again of the soldiers outside of the city walls. And the words of Isaiah, probably uttered to them by the priests that remain in the city, Fear not! Do not be afraid. Sometimes those words fall on deaf ears, don't they? Darkness can pierce our lives and serve as a fertile field for fear. In our house, our two daughters share a bedroom. Our youngest had to go to bed the other night, uh, one night this week, before her older sister was ready to go to bed. And after a few minutes of being in the bedroom alone, she came running into the living room again, jumped into my lap, weeping. What's wrong, honey? I said. She said, Daddy, it's dark. I'm alone. And I don't know what's on the other side of the curtains. It's a perfect storm, isn't it? Dark, alone, and you don't know what's on the other side of the curtain. You and I, as adults, face these same fears today. Some of them are of our own making. Others, well, they're beyond the influence of any one of us. And we ask ourselves questions as we have read the headlines over the past couple of days in newspapers or heard the reporters report on television. Are we poised for yet another war? Just this past week, many pastors in the United States have been receiving letters from their counterparts in the Ukraine asking for us to pray for them and for their congregations. What will come after Omicron? And among my own friends, not just pastors that I know, but pastors that I actually talk to frequently, pray with, have encouraged and supported and have received encouragement and support Two of them have had to close their churches. Two others have been dismissed from their pulpits, 
not because of any heresy they may have preached, but just because their church ran out of money. Pastors don't get unemployment, and they're afraid. How do I provide for my family? Our nation, divided, castigating each side of the political spectrum. My neighbors refusing to talk to each other because one neighbor flies a Make, a, an Amer make America Great flag and the neighbor across the street flies a Biden flag. And so because of those opposing opinions, neither of them talk to one another anymore. You can drive down our street and see a veritable expression of a multitude of opposing opinions. And those neighbors, triangulating other neighbors, not to talk to the ones that they don't talk to anymore. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany in the early 1930s. In January of 1933, shortly before Hitler comes to power, Bonhoeffer is preaching a sermon at a Vesper service, that's an evening prayer service, at his church that he's serving. He's preaching it on the second Sunday of Epiphany. Now, that's not how we keep time much anymore, but just so that you know, today is the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, which means 89 years and two weeks ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer preaches this message. Now, before I read you an excerpt from that sermon, I want you to understand the tension that is in the city of Berlin. Widespread fear throughout that city. The Hindenburg government is about to fall. Uh, Germany's fragile First Republic, which was created at Weimar after World War I, is about to crumble. There's the fear of communism, that, quote, red tide from the east and other extremist movements. Danger from open-air fighting in the streets. The young men of this new party called the Nazi Party bringing with them hatchets and knives and if they can find them guns just simply to start fights in the streets. People are afraid to go out at night. People are afraid to speak their opinions publicly because they know it might incite violence from others. Yeah, this sounds familiar. And in the midst of this storm, Bonhoeffer, who was no more certain of the future than anyone else, but was sure that the followers of Christ should know where to turn. God stands above all, His word unswayed, Bonhoeffer declares from that pulpit. In his sermon, he says this, Fear leans in to speak to us face to face. Here we are, all by ourselves, you and I. Now I'm showing you my true face. And anyone who has seen naked fear revealed, who has been its victim in terrifying loneliness, fear of an important decision, fear of a heavy stroke of fate, losing one's job, an illness, fear of a vice that one can no longer resist, to which one is enslaved, Fear of disgrace, fear of another person, fear of dying, Luther declares. 89 years ago, and the same words could be said today, couldn't they? You see, 
The war that you and I fight really isn't all that different than the war that Christians have been fighting since the time of Christ. The darkness is the same. The loneliness is the same. The uncertainty of what lies on the other side of the curtain is the same. My daughter, like every human being in history, is afraid of the darkness, is afraid of being alone, of what's on the other side. And as adults, if we're honest with ourselves, we too often have found ourselves victims of the same weapons that Satan has been using from time immemorial. And why does Satan use the weapons of darkness and fear and uncertainty? Because he knows they work. But they don't work with us, right? Simon Peter is afraid. In our episode this week, he's been fishing all night. His friends have come to help, but they, they've had no luck. In that moment, they find themselves in the morning, no success, and he knows what awaits him when he rows back to shore. His friends tell him to flee, to run. He refuses to do that. And with resignation, Peter, Simon Peter and his friends come ashore, Simon accepting his fate of arrest and possible death. And then just as the hull of their ship scrapes the sands of the beach, a teacher comes over to him and says, can I use your boat as a pulpit? Jesus stands in the boat and he tells them a parable about fishing. Jesus declares to us that we are those that cast our nets and catch any and all that we can. And we bring them to shore, and He sorts them. And Jesus calls us to cast our nets. Not, not our fishing poles with just a single lure that, that tempts a fish with a free meal, but nets that gather all that are there and pulls them in. We bring them to shore. He sorts the fish. And then Jesus says, some of you will understand this, but others of you won't. And if you don't, that's okay. Just be patient. And when he finishes his teaching, he sends the crowd away. Some of them stay, though. And Simon is one of those who just doesn't understand what Jesus has said. You see, Simon has already given up. Simon has already decided that he will meet his fate. False hopes like the kinds that his wife said to him, Eden, and the kind that the teacher is about to say to him are no source of comfort for him. Faith doesn't catch fish. Jesus says to him, cast your nets one more time. <laughs> Look, teacher, we have been out here fishing all night long and cast your net one more time. And so Simon, reluctantly, not really expecting anything, casts his net. 
And suddenly, the water begins to churn, and bubbles begin to rise to the top, and suddenly the boat lurches as the nets are filled. And the nets are so full at this point that Simon and his brother Andrew, his friends James and John, and their dad Zebedee have to go and help haul the net of fish onto the boat. Let's watch what happens immediately after that. I told you. I told you. I told you. The boat, it's still My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> You are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Simon asks Jesus to depart from him. Because sometimes the darkness is all we know. The loneliness. A pain we have gotten used to. And notice what Jesus says to Simon. No lists of tasks or works to be accomplished. No proof of his worthiness or penance that has to be performed. Do not be afraid. When I first heard those words in this episode, they echoed within my soul and to this day drive me almost to tears. That's the response that Jesus said to Simon? Because sometimes being forgiven, sometimes being loved, brings fear? 
Sometimes being forgiven. Sometimes being loved brings fear. And Simon says the same question that all of us have said to God at one point in our life. What do you want from me? And Jesus says, follow me. And you, as he points over to the other men, you follow me too. And as he points down through the annals of time to this moment, in this place, in this room, Jesus says to you, and you follow me too. And there it is. Fear is defeated in following Jesus. Now, 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 there's still uncertainty. What will tomorrow hold? How will my future look? Probably not much different than our youngest daughters. Simon doesn't know what's on the other side of the curtain. But something is different. You see, now, there doesn't seem to be the darkness, for he stands in the presence of the light. He's not alone anymore, because he's following Jesus. And with Christ, who cares about what is on the other side of the curtain? Who cares? what's on the other side of the curtain because I'm with the teacher now I'm with Jesus if you're in this room if you're joining us online and you have heard the whispers of the powers of darkness that tell you you have good reason to fear it's okay to be paralyzed because of that fear. It is a lie. Jesus says, follow me. I pray that today you will follow him. Say yes to this question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and do you accept him as Lord and Savior? And if in your heart you have said that today, you are a follower and have been given now the authority to say to those words of darkness, depart from me, get behind me, for I follow Jesus. Following our service, we'll have elders up here at the front. If you're joining us online, there's a button that you can click where you can give us your information. I pray that if you're online, that you'll let us know that today you've made that commitment to be a follower. And if you're in this room, that you'll come and speak to one of the elders after our service so that together we can encourage one another on this journey with Jesus.